What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live by the Three with your boy, Curly. Big shout out to returning listeners, and if you're a first-time listener, welcome. Now, it was my intention to drop an episode yesterday on March 3rd, previewing the Pistons game, but I had some technical difficulties and was not able to do so. But today on March 4th, it fits the timeline anyways. We're just going to be reviewing five games instead of the normal 3-4 and previewing the Raptors uh, versus the Magic tonight again on March 4th. So with all that being said, let's get right into it. And their first game back after the All-Star break on February 25th, the Raptors were playing the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. The Raptors are two and three in the last five seasons in their first game after the All-Star break, and they would be without OG Ananobi, who was listed questionable, but it was later revealed that he's been playing through a fractured finger and they kept him out of the lineup until they did further testing. So you definitely wonder if this contributed to his poor play as of late. But with that, the Hornets were coming off a three-game losing streak. Freddie All-Star was making his return from Cleveland, and you definitely thought that the Raptors would have had a sense of urgency or motivated purpose to start off on a positive note, especially after getting some time off and resting up. Definitely did not work out that way. And if you recall from the last episode, I mentioned my keys to victory, which was taking care of the ball, getting back in transition, and making your free throws. Well, the Raptors did none of that. They turned over the ball 16 times like the Hornets did. The difference was is that the Hornets were scoring at a higher rate, so you could live with the turnovers in that aspect. The transition offense favored the Hornets 17-13 and the Raptors did not make their free throws. They missed 10 shooting 13 for 23 giving them 56% from the line. And the Raptors did not come out with that sense of urgency or sense of purpose. They got steamrolled by the Hornets 125-93. to The only real highlight of the game was Scotty Barnes having himself a career game with 28 points. The Raptors shot 37 for 84 from the field, giving them 44%, 6 for 23 from 3 at 26%, and again 13 for 23, 56% from the free throw line. The Hornets shot 52 for 94, giving them 55% from the field, 15 for 40, giving them 38% from 3, and 6 and 9 from the free throw line, giving them 67%. Again, it didn't really matter. They were hitting every single shot it looked like. They got contributions from everyone, and it just spelled disaster for the Raptors. Again, like I said, the Raptors were led by Scotty Barnes scoring 28 points, and Gary Trent Jr. was the only other player in double digits with 12 points. Nobody else broke 10 for the game. For the Hornets, they were being led by Terry Rozier with 23 points, 23 points from Kelly Oubre, 20 points and 10 rebounds from Montrez Harrell, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and LaMelo all broke over double digits. So it was definitely a team win for the Hornets. It was a team loss for the Raptors. Don't want to spend much time talking about it. Let's move on to the Hawks and Raptors on a back-to-back on February 26th. Not much to say about this game either. The Hawks took advantage of a sluggish Raptors team and there's not much else to say. It was just an all-round bad game for the Raptors. Again, the only singular highlight, in my opinion, was Russell Tachua having himself a career night, scoring 21 points and grabbing nine rebounds. Now, since 
the All-Star break and over the All-Star weekend, you saw Precious Achua being a lot more aggressive on the offensive end, uh, playing with a higher motor. I love the confidence, love the energy and the effort that he's been showing as of late, but he needs to be able to choose his spots. Knowing when to look for his offense and knowing when to defer and pass it to somebody with a, a higher ball handling skill set or a better scorer off the dribble is something that I definitely want to see improve over the season now. I know the argument will be he's young, this and that, but you don't have to be playing five to ten years in a league to understand that you are limited in certain aspects and there's some people that you're playing alongside of have greater strength than you so sometimes it's better to defer and find another way to be impactful within that possession but nonetheless the Raptors lost another blowout 127 to 100 in favor of the Hawks the Raptors shot 38 for 95 from the field giving them 40 percent 10 for 32 from three giving them 31 percent 14 for 19 from the free throw line at 74 percent the hawks shot 48 for 83 giving them 58 percent from the field 13 for 31 giving them 42 percent from three and 18 for 22 from the free throw line giving them 82 percent the Raptors were led by Fred Van Vliet scoring 24 points and getting 9 assists but he shot very poorly from the field and it seemed like the right knee was giving him a lot of trouble in this game in particular but still managed to play over 34 minutes. Precious Achua again with a career night 21 points 9 rebounds and Pascal chipped in with a double double with 14 points and 10 rebounds. For the Hawks they were led by Trey Young, who's been playing great basketball as of late, scoring 41 points, getting 11 assists, and they had four other Hawks players scoring double digits. And it was kind of expected that the Raptors were going to come off flat in this one. Back-to-backs are not really their strong suit. And the Atlanta Hawks have been playing better basketball as of late, so getting blown out against the Hornets, still on the road, playing against a, a better Hawks team as of late. The writing was kind of on the wall for this game, so very unfortunate. I was expecting the Raptors to bounce back, but was not the case. Which brings us to our February 28th game where the Raptors traveled to Brooklyn to take on the Nets without OG and Freddie, and they were getting their first look at former Raptor Goran Dragic. Now, this was a refreshing change for the Raptors after getting blown out against the Hornets and Hawks. They were on the giving end of a blowout against the Nets. Couple of highlights, one being Malachi Flynn getting to start and taking full advantage of the opportunity. And for somebody that has had limited opportunities all season long and was not playing up to expectations or at least what we quickly grown accustomed to in his rookie season while they were playing in Tampa, to see him step up and play with the confidence that he, he did was refreshing when Freddie was out of the lineup. But the night belonged to Scotty Barnes, who led the way with him, with tying his career high with 28 points. To complement that, 16 rebounds, 5 steals, 4 assists, and 1 block shot in 34 minutes of work. Very efficient, which led to the blowout of the Nets. 133 to 97. He became the fifth rookie to record 25 points, 15 rebounds, and five steals in a game, and the first since Shaq during the 1992-93 season to do so. So another accomplishment to a very 
impressive resume for a rookie and Scotty Barnes. The Raptors shot 51 for 99 from the field, giving them 52%, 18 for 38 from three, giving them 47%. And they didn't shoot particularly well from the line, but it didn't matter. 13 for 22 at 59%. The Brooklyn Nets were not very good. 33 for 86 from the field, giving them 38%. 12 for 35 from three, giving them 34%. And they took care of business from the line. Again, didn't matter. 19 for 24, giving them 79%. Once again, the Raptors were led by Scotty Barnes, scoring 28.16 rebounds. Malachi Flynn and his first start in quite some time, 18 points, five assists, four rebounds. Precious Achua, 20 points and eight rebounds. And it was nice to see uh, the rest of the bench guys, Utah, Delano, Sfi, Justin Champagne, even DJ Wilson getting some run and contributing to the score sheet uh, was definitely nice to see and hoping that they would make more than a guest appearance for the rest of the season. The Nets were led by LaMarcus Aldridge scoring 15 points, Cam Thomas with 14 points, and Bruce Brown also scoring 14 points. So it was definitely refreshing to see the Raptors take advantage of a team that did not have their key pieces. A win is a win, regardless of how it comes about. So you definitely didn't want the Raptors to lose a game like this, to see them bounce back, especially getting blown out. Love to see it, and you were hoping that they would carry it on into the next game, which was a back-to-back. Oh, inside, no Goran Dragic only scored six points, shooting one for five from the field. Which brings us to our back-to-back on March 1st, where the Nets were now visiting the Raptors, and it's the first home game in quite some time where we had full fans and the return of polar the polarizing figure known as Goran Dragic and the Boo Birds came out to greet him. I definitely feel, and what I was reading online is that some people were just looking to purchase tickets, not just to go and take part in a, in a full capacity game for quite some time, but they were just talking about buying tickets to Boo him. So they definitely got their money's worth. And for me, this game was a little concerning. It had trap game written all over it. You've blown them out the night before, you're at home, uh, the Raptors apparently got in at 3 a.m. and it made you wonder if rest was going to be a factor. And again, back-to-backs are a little shaky, though they are 13-7 and for the season. But still a little weary. No Fred, no OG once again. Flynn was getting the start and he did a great job. Drogic had a much better game despite the support that he was getting from the Raptors fan base. He scored seven points in the quarter and the Nets stole momentum going into the half. The Nets eventually got out to a 10 point lead in the third, but the Raptors came back and fought right down to the end being led by Scotty Barnes. His effort and energy was a difference maker and Thad Young contributed in the Raptors push. We'll pick this game up late in the fourth with 56 seconds left. The Raptors had a three point lead that was quickly erased and tied by Seth Curry with a three around the 50 second mark. In the next possession, Gary Trent Jr. got fouled, casually hitting two free throws, giving them a 105 to 103 lead. Raptors eventually got possession, knocked down another two free throws for Gary Trent, and that was the ball game. The Raptors come away with the victory 109 to 108. The Nets 
James Johnson hit a three with the dying seconds left on the clock. Didn't matter. The Raptors still win. The Nets shot 42 for 84 from the field, giving them 50%. 10 for 25 from three, giving them 40%. 14 for 19 from the free throw line, giving them 74%. The Raptors shot 41 for 90, giving them 46% from the field. 7 for 23 from three, giving them 30%. And they took care of business from the line. 20 for 23, giving them 87%. The Raptors were led by Gary Trent, scoring 24 points and notching 7 assists. A double-double from Scotty Barnes, 18 and 10, 18 from Siakam, and again, another great start from Malachi Flynn, 15 points and 8 assists. For the Nets, they were led by James Johnson, scoring 19 points. Seth Curry chipped in with 18, Aldridge with 16, Cam Thomas with 11, and Goran Dragic, like I said, had a better game scoring 10 points. And the Raptors still come away with the victory, so no bragging rights for Goran. Now again, in a back-to-back scenario, the Raptors coming off a blowout victory to take care of business. Win a competitive game, it was entertaining, but even though their best players were out of the lineup with Durant, Irving, and Simmons. But again, the Raptors were able to take advantage, and you love to see it. You don't want to be losing games like this. Which brings us to our March 3rd game last night against the Detroit Pistons at home. Now, before last night's game, Dwayne Casey has an 8-3 record against the Raptors. For some reason, we just can't beat them. Now, the Pistons don't have a lot to celebrate. I mean, they do have Cade Cunningham, but they just haven't had any direction since the Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups championship days and it still shows but they look forward to playing us it seems like no matter what's going on during the season they have our games circled on the calendar and they go to war for Dwayne Casey now my keys to victory for the Pistons game was to take care of the fundamentals and match their energy and effort the Raptors did none of that they were down 17 at one point and the Pistons were just having their way we were out muscled we were out hustled they just dominated us for three quarters finally in the fourth quarter around the 10 minute mark the Raptors are making a push but it did not matter I'm not going to get into the specifics of the fourth quarter because they should not have been down 17 to begin with but they still managed to lose by two precious missing free throws in the end technical fouls that were being accumulated from pascal nick nurse who ended up getting tossed and gary trent not having a very good game i believe he took 15 threes and only hit three of them and if you took care of business from the line or even if one of those threes go down for gary trent the raptors come away with a close victory did not happen that way the raptors lose 108 to 106 and it was just a disappointing game but kudos to the pistons no matter what motivates you you come out there you play hard you give it your all the pistons did exactly that the raptors did not match their energy and effort again until the fourth quarter the pistons shot 38 for 84 from the field giving them 45 percent 11 for 37 from three giving them 30 percent 21 for 28 giving them 75 percent from the line the Raptor shot 36 for 83, giving them 43%, 7 for 26 from 3, giving them 27%. And 
they shot 27 for 36, giving them 75% from the free throw line. Now, while the percentage is not terrible, you still miss nine free throws. And I'm going to continue to say it until things change. You have to make your free throws. Now, I'm not putting the loss on, on Precious. I'm not putting the loss on Gary Trent having a bad game. Though I do feel that if he did have a better game, the Raptors come away with the victory. This was over from the beginning. The Raptors were not matching the energy and effort once again. And it just trickled out throughout the game until the last quarter. And you can't play basketball like that. If the Raptors have playoff aspirations, they need to be able to take care of business, especially against teams that aren't as talented. Again, the Pistons were playing better basketball as of late. The Raptors were completely blindsided and did not come away with a victory. Pascal scored 28 points. Scotty Barnes had another double-double with 21 points, 10 rebounds. Precious Achua had another good game with 18 points, 7 rebounds, but he missed two clutch free throws in the end. Malachi Flynn was decent, scoring 11 points, 3 rebounds. For the Pistons, they were led by Jeremy Grant, 26 points. Sadiq Bey with 23, and Kate Cunningham with 22 points and 12 rebounds, giving them a double-double. Now, before I move on to the Magic game, I think it's necessary that we talk about Dwayne Casey for a moment. Now, Dwayne Casey wasn't my favorite coach in Raptors history, but he just improved to 9-3 over the Raptors. He may do crap against everybody else, but he dominates us. And I think it's necessary that, you know, as they say nowadays, to give Dwayne Casey his flowers. Now, everybody's going to have a different opinion of Casey, but he laid the foundation down for the Raptors. The foundation of being a hard-nosed defensive team, that was Dwayne Casey's doing. He changed the culture, he created the culture, and laid the foundation for what the Raptors are building on right now. The exit when he got fired after winning coach of the year was not very ideal and you can definitely see especially when they play us that he is coaching from a very passionate standpoint against the Raptors so whatever motivates him it's just a positive outcome for the Pistons and Dwayne Casey when they play us now during Dwayne Casey's tenure and before he left I'm not putting all the onus on Dwayne Casey Kyle Lowry's lack of availability DeMar's inconsistent play contributed to Dwayne Casey's exit but Kyle and DeMar are celebrated and with obvious reasons DeMar not wanting to leave willing to go to war for Toronto, Kyle Lowry being part of the championship team, but I don't think we would have been seeing them in the same light if it wasn't for Dwayne Casey. So I think it's only fair that we have a little bit more respect for what Dwayne Casey did and he should be celebrated to a point, even though he did come short, but it wasn't his fault that he kept running into the bus out known as LeBron James and the Cavaliers during his time so let's have a little bit more appreciation again for Dwayne Casey which brings us to tonight's game on March 4th against the Orlando Magic now the Magics aren't any better than the Pistons but they do compete and they got some hard-nosed guys in Cole Anthony, Jim Suggs, Wendell Carter, uh, Mo Bamba 
has been playing better as of late. I've seen Orlando come back from double-digit deficits multiple times during the season, so I don't think any lead is safe with Orlando, especially if the Raptors come out flat against them the same way that they did against the Pistons. So my keys to victory are very simple. Take care of the fundamentals and set the tone early. Don't wait to take advantage late or make a late push. Do it throughout the game. The Raptors have been sporadic and they've had many games where they come out flat in the first half and then they dominate in the second half. We need to get out of that habit. It's not winning basketball especially when you're losing games from a fundamental standpoint like making free throws so again take care of the ball get out in transition and come out with a sense of purpose be motivated be ready don't take them lightly the raptors should come away with a victory also fred van vliet is questionable tonight as well as thaddeus young that was a late game scratch last night against the pistons with a non-covid related illness and og before the game was reported that he will be out for two weeks with his fractured finger and he will be re-evaluated at the end of those two weeks so we definitely wish him a speedy recovery we definitely wish Freddie a speedy recovery and we hopefully we can see Thaddeus Young in the lineup tonight. Now sticking with the Raptors, I want to talk about Malachi Flynn. In the sophomore season, it has been a roller coaster ride for him. Despite having a decent season with uncertainty that surrounded the Raptors with COVID being relocated to Tampa, he was still having a decent rookie season. Unfortunately for him, it didn't translate into the second season and the early going, he struggled to the point where he got buried in the bench and Malachi's dad took to social media to voice his frustration. Now on Tuesday, Nick Nurse was quoted according to Sports Illustrated, and I quote, listen, we gave him shots early in the season. We gave him some chances and he didn't really look like he was ready to go. He just wasn't impacting, wasn't making shots, wasn't playing what I thought we needed, end quote. And he was later assigned to the 905 and he struggled there in the G League shooting 36.5% from the field and 28% from three. But despite having so many did not plays under his belt this season, apparently it did not affect his attitude in practice. He was energized, he was engaged, he participated in film sessions, sorry. And it seemed like the tough love approach worked i mean he scored 11 points last night against the pistons but in his first two games as a starter he's averaging 15.6 points five rebounds six assists and shooting almost 60 percent from the field and 50 percent from three and limiting the amount of turnovers so it was just unfortunate for him that he wasn't able to match this same kind of production in the early part of the season but now the real challenge for malachi is this when freddie is ready to go he will be taking his responsibility as, as the leader and as the starter of this team so will malachi have this same kind of effect coming off the bench with limited time time will tell i really hope that nurse has seen his value to this team because if he can bring the same kind of effort and play with the same amount of confidence coming off the bench we will be able to preserve freddie especially when we are in a play-in playoff scenario it'll be nice to lower freddie's minutes and replace him with a 
very productive Malachi Flynn. So we just hope that this is the beginning of something special for Malachi Flynn and the Raptors. I also want to give a big shout out to Svi Mahailu, who was also assigned to the G League and the Raptors 905. And he's struggled as of late and not seeing the floor like many players off the Raptors bench. And I was very high on Svi. I definitely thought he would have been a useful piece to the Raptors this season, especially in this retool that we're in. But he definitely had himself a game the other night, scoring 40 points, hitting seven threes against the College Park Skyhawks, beating them 128 to 104. He also got some playing time in the blowout victory against the Nets. Didn't get any playing time in the, in the second game of the back-to-back. -back. But nonetheless, you hope that it's just a building block for him because when he is on, he can be a knockdown shooter and it's definitely something that the Raptors can benefit for the rest of the season. Now, moving on to another young piece on the Raptors, our superstar in the making, Scotty Barnes, who's found his groove as of late having career games and he has earned himself Rookie of the Month honors for the Eastern Conference. Josh Giddy, who's putting together a a great season after having a slow start and apparently has won the last four rookie of the month honors i didn't even know he was doing that so i guess the the rookie competition is not as hard or competitive in the west but kudos to him and 12 games barnes is averaging 15.2 points 6.8 rebounds 2.6 assists while shooting 54% from the floor and 37.5% from three. Again, he registered 28 points against Charlotte Hornets and then matched it against the Brooklyn Nets. Now, if you've been paying attention to media and according to NBA.com's rookie ladder, it seems like Evan Mobley is a shoe-in for Rookie of the Year honors. Well, Scotty Barnes has something to say about that and he's been putting up career games as of late and has become one of the most important pieces for the Raptors this season. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Evan Mobley. Um, the Cavs do have a better record at this time. Uh, they've been a huge surprise this season. But Evan Mobley with Darius Garland out of the lineup and they've been dealing with injuries, but it seems like when he is expected to step up, he's been very underwhelming. While Scotty Barnes has not been that, I think his only trouble is staying on the floor and picking up silly fouls and it's definitely hurting his production but he's a very important part of the Raptors team we are a very different team without him and I don't think Evan Mobley is a shoe in to win, to win this. And if Scotty Barnes can maintain this level of play, possibly catch the Cavaliers, I think it would be very hard to just give the award to Evan Mobley, especially if Scotty Barnes, once again, playing the way that he is right now, to not award him for his efforts would be a real tragedy. But I definitely love the effort. I definitely love the fact that Scotty Barnes is going down swinging and hopefully that's going to sway the opinions of these quote-unquote experts in terms of who should be Rookie of the Year. Now let's take a look around the association starting with the Brooklyn Nets. He's back. Kevin Durant made his return last night after missing 21 games to take on the Miami Heat and he had a very efficient game scoring 
31 points, uh, getting four assists, four rebounds in 35 minutes of play. Definitely impressive for somebody that has been nursing an MCL injury in his left knee. Looked like he hasn't missed a beat. He still lost 113 to 107. And, you know, after the game, he said he felt great. He's only going to get better and more comfortable. Um, but he felt solid, and that's a scary thing. <laughs> for anybody um, to have arrested Kevin Durant. Um, before last night's game, he mentioned that he did not want to play through the injury. He was definitely taking his time in terms of his rehab and progressing to the point where he made his return last night. So he got some rests and it seems like they are going to be a force to reckon with, especially since uh, next week, which I believe March 7th, New York is li lifting their COVID restrictions, which means Kyrie Irving will be back um, and the impending return of Simmons. The Nets are getting the right pieces at the right time to make a late season push. So I think the Eastern Conference will be put on notice. It's going to take some time. I do believe Ben Simmons is not going to make his return until March 15th is what they're speculating due to back tightness and of course he's dealing with the mental health issues so I believe that the Sixers fan base are not going to be able to see him on March 10th but when he does make his return the pass first mentality should make it easy for him in terms of finding the right fit alongside two phenomenal scorers in today's uh, NBA with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. The NBA has announced their players of the month for February and it, it is former Raptor, current Chicago Bull, DeMar DeRozan and Mavericks, Luka Doncic and these guys have been absolutely beasting as of late. DeMar has been averaging 34.2 points, 6.2 rebounds and 5.2 assists. And Doncic, who's been absolutely spectacular since the Porzingis trade, scoring 34.7 points, 10.3 rebounds, and 8.8 .8 assists per game. Now, the Mavericks team has been playing better basketball as of late. Unfortunately for them, the Porzingis-Luka duo did not work out. And they've now found success just with Luka, similar to the Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki. Now, we know that having one superstar, at least in today's NBA, is it should be enough. It was enough back in the day. It's not enough anymore. But you definitely wonder if Luka is going to capture the same kind of magic that Dirk did leading the Mavericks to their championship. So Jason Kidd has done a phenomenal job with that team, revamping that team and getting the most out of them and bringing out the best out of Luka. So they are gonna be a dangerous team. And, and the Bulls who has been battling injuries, when they get healthy, they are definitely gonna be a force to reckon with. So congratulations to both Demar and Luka. Also, I want to give an honorary shout out for two other Eastern Conference and Western Conference player.
starting with Trey Young over his last three games. He put up some crazy numbers, 39 points, 13 assists on 61% shooting, 31 and 6 assists on 48% shooting, 41 points, 11 assists on 71% shooting. John Morant over his last four games, 40.5 points per game, 6 rebounds, 5 assists on 53.4% shooting from the field and 44.4% from, uh, from the three-point line. It seems like the future of the NBA is in good hands with the likes of Luka, Trey Young, John Morant, and the other young and up-and-coming players and superstars of this league. So I think we're, gonna, we're going to be enjoying great basketball for years to come. Now, these next two reports that I'm going to be discussing really caught my eye, one more than the other, and I'm referring to Malcolm Brogdon wanting to play for the Polish national team. Now, apparently last summer he traveled through Poland and his wife has Polish roots, and it seems like he has aspirations to play for a national team and on that Olympic FIBA level because his Team USA prospects are not very high. And apparently Poland is sharing the same sentiment and they are looking to make him a naturalized citizen making him eligible to play for the Polish national team. I just thought it's interesting. I mean, the U.S. is a very patriotic country, despite uh, how you feel about it. And to see that an American player wants to play for a Polish team with the motivation that his wife is Polish, it's, it's, it's an entertaining thought. Now, the last topic I want to discuss has to do with the WNBA. Now, anyone who's a fan of the podcast, and I pray that you are, knows that this is a Raptors-focused podcast and we touch on other topics happening around the NBA. But I thought the timing of this article that was released on the first day of Women's History Month, it could not have been more poorly timed. The WNBA find the New York Liberty half a million dollars for using charter flights for their players and they even considered terminating the franchise. So what ended up happening is that on the later half of one of their seasons, the owner, Joseph Tsai, decided to foot the bill for his team. And instead of it being reviewed as a nice gesture, apparently it's in violation of the collective bargaining agreement. And according to a league executive, the use of charter flights is a competitive advantage since not all owners are deep-pocketed enough to pay, which I think is very interesting. And if you're unaware of what goes on in a WNBA, they have to use commercial flights. Sometimes they have to pay out of pocket for certain accommodations. Now, this is on top of the disparity between the NBA and the WNBA player salaries. I do believe the highest paid player or individual in the WNBA is a coach, which is Becky Hammond. And that should not be the case. Now, I'm not gonna get into the specifics of it all. 
it's not my place to do so, but I do think it's an interesting discussion that in a time where equality is, is on the forefront of everyone's mind, every way of the word and every aspect of society, equality is always being preached. It doesn't always happen that way, but you would definitely think that this would not be a discussion still for the WNBA. And apparently the owner, again, Joseph Tsai, in cooperation with the WNBA commissioner, was looking to find a charter sponsor so that every team could fly charter without impacting the owner's financial situation. Unfortunately, it lacked the majority as some owners were worried that players would get used to it so there'd be no going back and others wondered whether players might just prefer a salary hike instead. Well, they've been preaching for a salary increase. So if you're hesitant in terms of giving them uh, uh, chartered flights, then pay the women. I think it definitely paints uh, a bad picture for the WNBA. I think it's, it's not encouraging for young women and little girls who aspire to make it to the WNBA to see that they're not going to get the respect as their male counterparts in the NBA. This situation needs to be resolved quickly. Now, I know some will make the argument that they don't know when the season starts, the product isn't good, and so on and so forth. Well, it was announced yesterday that ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2 will televise 25 regular season WNBA games in their entire postseason. So the availability is there. Check it out. I'll definitely check it out. I think Toronto has a strong enough fan base to support a WNBA team. So I would definitely love to see that. And also will, you know, add some added motivation for young, uh, young women, young girls, in Toronto and in Canada in general who have basketball aspirations to play in their home country it definitely has uh, a great sound to it and it's something that I could definitely get behind in the future should it happen and after a very lengthy discussion it brings us to the end of this episode thank you very much for sticking around uh, we definitely hope to get that bad taste of the Pistons out of our mouth and we'll come away with a victory against the Orlando Magic, Scotty Barnes versus Jalen Suggs, that whole storyline, love to see it, D definitely think Barnes will come away with the victory and the better game. As usual, any news in relation to the podcast, Raptors content, you can find it on the Instagram page, live by the dot number three, that is L-I-V-E. B-Y-T-H-E period number three follow like comment any suggestions for the show leave it on the Instagram page and until the next episode everyone as usual stay safe good people peace